I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, and we are back into our studies in Romans, and this is a supplement. I've already covered Romans 8, 9 through 25 in a previous video. I thought more attention is needed to this section. Frankly, I wasn't perfectly satisfied with what I did in the earlier session in that video covering these verses, Romans 8, 9 to 25. So I have now recorded this supplement to that previous study, Romans chapter 8. Living according to the flesh is not the way we ought to be living. Living or walking according to the Spirit, that's the way Christians ought to be living. And that's what we studied in the earlier part of Romans chapter 8. We're going to consider again now verses 9 through 25. Again, I say I covered this in a previous video, but I think I have come up with a way to do a better job in covering verses 9 through 25. I think this takes us into a more positive tone, having to do with the Spirit, the Son, the Father, united for our good, our hope, and our continued praise to God. Remember, in a previous video, I brought into view that very important concept of being in Christ. That has to do with relationship, spiritual reality, not physical. I cannot be in Christ physically. The Holy Spirit cannot be in me physically. Christ and the Holy Spirit are not physical entities. So this expression, this little word in, has to do with relationship. And so in this passage, Christians are in the Spirit, the Spirit is in us, Christ is in us, we are in Christ. Over in 1 John 4, 16, God dwells in us. It's all about relationship. This is the state or condition of the Christian, those justified by faith, those in Christ. We are not in the flesh, engaged in the impulses of fleshly appetite, we are in the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in us, Christ in us. We are dead to sin, alive to righteousness. The Spirit dwells in us. Deity is in us. We are in deity. It's all about relationship. And it might help us understand something back in Romans 7 we talked about a lot. The man engaged in the struggle back in Romans 7 said in verse 17, sin dwells in me. In chapter 8, it begins, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That is to say, those who are in that relationship. So 
All through this section, I didn't give good clarity to this in the last video. All through this section, that little word in suggests relationship. And we are in a relationship very different from the man who was in sin back in Romans chapter 7. And we're not in the same relationship with God as those who lived under the law. If Christ dwells in us, we live close to God. God dwells in us. We dwell in Him. That is relationship. After this great description of the state and condition of the Christian, there's a statement of obligation in verses 12 through 14. This is really a conclusion about our obligation. If we are in Christ, if we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, but we've obeyed the gospel and we're walking in newness of life, what is our obligation? And those obligations are stated here in these verses in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 12. We are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For we are all led by the Spirit of God and are sons of God. That's our obligation, to be led by the Spirit. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So there's obligation there. Notice the difference between slaves and adopted sons. That's the contrast the contrast between slaves and adopted sons. It's a change of obligation, isn't it? We put ourselves under obligation to sin. We volunteered to be obligated in that wrong direction. Now we have volunteered to be in Christ. As people baptized into Christ, we have volunteered to walk in newness of life adopted sons. Slaves are motivated by the dread and fear of cruel punishment. Slaves are in a situation where the only gain is avoiding chastisement. <coughs> adopted children find themselves in a better condition. So contrast all the way through Romans chapter 8. Abba, Father, that's the Aramaic equivalent of Father, and that's our condition. That's our relationship. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit, referenced in verses 16 and 17. The Holy Spirit, this is without question, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to influence us, lead us, and govern our behavior. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, the Spirit expressly says, in Ephesians six seventeen, the Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. Other passages, 
John 16, 13, 1 Corinthians 2, Ephesians 3. But let's just be reminded that the Holy Spirit communicates or speaks through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to influence us, to lead us, and to govern our behavior. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit tells us what we ought to do, gives us obligation and responses. We engage in those obligations. We accept those responses. So through the Word, the Spirit Himself bears witness, and we respond to what the Spirit says. We are children of God. That ought to be so clear to us in the New Testament and in Romans chapter 6. And if children, then heirs. As an heir, we have something we did not earn, but we receive because of relationship. We receive it because of relationship. In 1 Peter 1.3, we have heaven as an inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven for us. An inheritance is received by a child, not earned, but given generously. And that's the idea. Verse 18 is a wonderful statement reflecting the perspective of one in this relationship, a child of God led by the Spirit. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Paul had just said in verse 17, if as heirs we expect to be glorified, we must be willing to suffer. We will suffer, but we consider that suffering to be minimal when compared to the glory we will experience in heaven as a result of relationship, being in Christ and walking in newness of life. In verses 19 to 25, the subject goes to hope. Hope is mentioned six times in this passage. The creation waits Some believe this is the physical creation, suffering because of sin, waiting for redemption. Another view is that this is the new creation, that is, Christians waiting for the futility of earthly life to give way to heavenly existence. In either case, this is a forward-looking passage with emphasis on hope for those who are in this relationship. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope is introduced here. It is developed. It is concluded in verses 24 and 25. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about hope, about what hope is. Let me distinguish between three things. Fear is when you expect something in the future, but you do not desire it. Dreaming is when you desire something in the future, 
but you do not expect it. Hope is when you desire something good in the future and you do expect it. It is desire combined with expectation. Now, who has that? Who has the hope of being glorified? The glory which shall be revealed in us. The revealing of the sons of God, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. Those in Christ. We are saved in this hope. I hope this clarifies what I presented earlier from Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 25. Thank you for watching this additional section of Romans 8, 9 through 25.